As you're turning in your Bibles to John chapter 4, we'll start there. The psalmist said, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I'm so glad that the passage doesn't say that his mercy endures sometimes. That his mercy endures when I'm doing the right thing. That his mercy endures when it's sunny outside. But I'm so glad his mercy endures forever, which is why he's a faithful God. He can be depended on at any time about anything. We can lean on him. I'm so glad we're not by ourselves. God is with us and he's more than able to deliver, to keep, to provide. He's amazing like that. As we go to prayer, I want to be mindful of Sister Lily, who today in Memphis is paying her final respects to her mother. Several people from Strong Tower, including Pastor Jerry, Several of the women have gone to be with her today. Um, the morgues are so crowded, overcrowded in Memphis that they had to have her funeral today during church service. So we want to pray for them for safe travel mercies. Also for safe travel mercies, uh, the students are away right now. They should be coming back sometime this morning. Uh, they had their retreat this weekend at Barefoot Camp Pray that the Lord met them mightily there. Also, we want to be in prayer for Mother Walker, uh, Deacon Ron's mother, who normally sits here. Um, having a little health challenges this past week, had to go to the emergency room, um, but she was able to go home uh, to be with her son. So we continue to pray for her healing. And then uh, we've got some friends in, um, really not friends, family. Byron and Dory Kennedy are here, um, who used to be a part of this body years ago. Um, Byron served as one of our elders, and Dory just did everything else that he didn't do. And, uh, and so, um, awesome people, y'all, let's give it to them. And I was not able to make the men's fire pit last night, but I heard there was fire at the men's fire pit. Am, am I right about that? <laughs> Amen. Where's Brother Randy at? Is that you up there, Randy? Man, I heard you gave the word last night. Amen, brother. Praise God. A little help from our friends. A, a little help from your friends. Hey, that's how it's supposed to be, right? Praise God. Amen. Well, let's pray together. Yes, Father, you have been so faithful to us. As the old folks would say, you've been better to us than we've had sense enough to be to ourselves. You've watched out for us when we weren't looking for you. You provided for us. You've taken care of us. You've blessed us. You've not only met our needs, you've met many of our wants. You put the cherry on top of so many things in our lives. And Lord, we say thank you. Above all, we thank you for meeting our greatest need, and that is the need to be forgiven of our sins. 
We thank you that you made a way for us through Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the world, the one who would take away our sins once and for all and place them into the sea of forgetfulness. And not only did he take our sins on his body on Calvary, but he also gave us his righteousness. We thank you that those of us who have trusted Jesus, the one who not only died, but the one who resurrected on the third day, that by faith we stand before you clothed in his righteousness, allowing us to boldly approach the throne of grace as sons and daughters. You have welcomed us in. You're holy as we sang today. You're set apart from sin. You're transcendent. You're above and beyond everything, yet you made a way for broken people, messed up people. And I thank you. Thank you for being the potter who is now forming the clay after the image of Jesus so we can look like our Savior. Thank you for your patience with us. Lord, help us to be patient with ourselves and with one another. May your grace, which superbounds over sin, remind us that grace is the only element on earth that can transform a sinner into a saint one day at a time. Holy Spirit, as we talk about you today, would you help me to preach? Would you help your people to hear the word? And then would you help all of us to apply what we hear? For we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 4. Many of us know that energy can come from flowing water. Energy can come from flowing water. It's called hydroelectricity. Hydroelectricity. You see, to harness energy from running or flowing water, a large reservoir or dam has to be created. And once that dam or reservoir is created by man to harness what can only come from God, this stream, this flow of water, an engineer in a booth then channels the gushing water by opening up the tunnels in the dam to release the water. And the energy of the flowing water causes turbines down below to turn, which makes the generators work, thereby producing electric energy. And in rural areas in particular, Hydroelectric energy is used to power homes, hospitals, businesses, schools, and churches. Taking natural energy that only God can create. Man creating a dam or a reservoir to try our best to harness that power so that we can benefit from it is just a beautiful thing. We see it in a similar way when we see windmills that a windmill is seeking to harness the power of the wind so that as the wheel turns, the windmill turns, it's able to be productive on that farm or in that region 
because of natural power. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here at Strong Tongue. And I love how the Holy Spirit is likened unto water, as we're going to see today. He's also compared to wind. Oh, so many more metaphors and illustrations are used of him because no one illustration or name can give us the totality of who the Holy Spirit is. But today we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit is like flowing water, which produces power. Jesus used this metaphor in John chapter 4 while speaking to a Samaritan woman. She wasn't a churchgoer. She wasn't a person that was highly esteemed in the community. You know her story. She had five husbands and a live-in boyfriend. She would come to the well at noon in hopes of not running into other women there because she may have slept with some of the other women's husbands. And so she, she, she lived a life of obscurity and maybe even loneliness. And she's coming to the well to draw water at noon. But Jesus had an appointment. The Bible says he had to go through Samaria, a part of town where Jewish people, whether they were traveling from the north down south, from the south, uh, uh, from the south to the north, they would go around that area because they didn't like those people. But Jesus purposefully went through Samaria and sat at a place called Jacob's Well, common ground between Jews and Samaritans. And was at this place, at this well, he offered this woman living water. John chapter four, verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew, the gift of God. And isn't the Holy Spirit a gift from God? My God. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So you drink the natural water, you're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink what I'm going to give you, the, the, the water, the living water, you'll never thirst again. Meaning that this water satisfies your soul. We're not talking about physical thirst. We're talking about spiritual thirst and craving and desire. The spirit of God, the living water, once he is in your life, your soul is satisfied to the degree, even when we try to consume other things, and we do. Other things cannot satisfy like Jesus satisfies. They're just empty calories. Other things just can't do for us like Jesus and the spirit of Christ can do for us. So 
We're never looking for someone else to satisfy that empty place in our lives because the Lord has done that. So we can search all over, but we'll never find anyone like Jesus. And so I may witness that when Jesus comes into your life through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. No, I'm not thirsty for any other savior, any other deliverer, any other friend, any other person to be in my life the way Jesus has been in my life. So what he's saying to this woman piqued her interest. And she went on later in the story to say, I'll take that water. He says, okay, I'll give it to you, but first go call your husband. Because we got to deal with the need to repent here. The water is free, but there is a responsibility. The word repent is not found in the Gospel of John, but what is found in John is belief. The word belief is found about 98 times. And so the idea in John's gospel is that when you believe, you will repent. And so this woman, when the disciples showed up, she left the conversation with Jesus and went into town and said, y'all need to come see a man who told me everything about myself. Could this not be the Christ? Her life changed over a conversation about living water. She, she, She needed more than what she had. She had a lot, but she was still so empty inside. And this man, by talking to her about the living water, began to stir her because the living water that he was encouraging her to consume, the spirit was also moving on her heart to open up towards God, towards Jesus. Because no person seeks after God. God must seek after us and open us up so that we will open our hearts to him. Oh, you say, Pastor, I need a little bit more. Well, go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Let's explore this metaphor again, this simile again, this figure of speech again. The illustration is figurative, but the life transformation is literal. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the house. Uh, The illustration is figurative, but, but the transformation, my God, is literal. Um, The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in him. My God. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Stop and pause. You know you got to be either a crazy man or the son of man to say something like that. Y'all thirsty? Come holler at your boy. My God, my God. And people did think Jesus was crazy. But other folks said, oh my, oh my. No, he, he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. Uh, verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So he says, if you drink of me, something will flow out of you. Uh, you, you missed it. You missed it. I, I, got, I got to say it again. If you consume me, life is going to flow out of you. You, you just can't help it. There will be life in you. And he says, uh, uh, verse 39, but, but this he spoke concerning the spirit who those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given 
because Jesus was not yet glorified. So John has given us a parenthetical comment as he's recounting what Jesus did when they walked with him, that he would get up at the feast and say, come drink of me. And this water, this living water will be in you, the same water he offered to the Samaritan woman. And this water is living water. So my question is, is your experience with God, namely with the Holy Spirit, is your experience with the Spirit like having living water inside of you that's bubbling over and flowing out of you? Is that your experience? Is that mine? Well, if I'm honest, it's like that sometimes. It's not like this all of the time. But I don't want my experience with the Holy Spirit to be like having stagnant water inside of me. He's not always bubbling over in me, I, I, I must admit. And I'm not sure God expects that. We're going to talk about this in a moment here. But some of us have the Holy Spirit in our lives because we've trusted in Jesus. The Holy Spirit's a package deal. He comes. And once he comes in to our lives, he is now resident. But for some of us, the one who is resident has become stagnant. You see, stagnant water doesn't change things. Dormant water that, that just lies still. Matter of fact, when dormant water just stays there, stagnant water, it can become diseased and polluted real quick. So one of the ways you know that water is fresh is that it's moving. It, it, it's alive. And, and so, but sometimes the water, the spirit in our lives seems to be stagnant. But, but, but here's the thing. Y'all know I like to rhyme. The Holy Spirit is resident. Unfortunately, sometimes we allow him to become stagnant in our lives. But he deserves to be president. Resident. He's resident, but is he president? Because if he's not president, that means he's stagnant in our lives. We got power, but the power is not working in us, on us, and through us. Because when the engineer from heaven, like the engineer at the dam, presses a button, turns a wheel, and opens up channels on the dam to release the stored up water in the reservoir, to come through those channels, to gush down in a powerful way, to hit those turbines, to get those generators moving, to get the power flowing. When the engineer from heaven says, okay, the Holy Spirit is in your life. But I'm turning right now. I'm, I'm trying to open up something in your life so that his power can be released in your life. So, so when I say open up, do you open up or do you stay closed up? Nah, somebody's not getting this illustration here. Maybe I'm the only one that's getting it. You see, when God says open up, and we want to stay closed up, we're quenching the work of the Holy Spirit. We're grieving what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. We want to remain like the reservoir controlling the water. 
And a lot of us are so conservative and safe and calm and cool that we want to conserve and control, should I say, how the spirit works in our life. So when the Lord says, open up and praise me, we say, oh, no, Lord, I, I just can't do that. I, I cannot become undignified in the presence of the people. So you remain closed up. When the Holy Spirit says, open up and love your neighbor. Even when your neighbor is a Muslim. No, Lord, I, I just can't do that, Lord. It reminds me when God told Peter to eat the meat and he said, no, Lord, I'm not eating the meat. And the Lord said, don't you call anything unclean that I've called clean. It happened three times. He said, no, no, no. He should have known better than anybody not to say no to the Lord three times. So when the Holy Spirit is saying, open up. And forgive that person that hurts you. No, Lord. Can't do that, Lord. And you wonder why you have no power in your life. God wants to do a work. Because when the Holy Spirit is in the life of a Christian and, and we yield to his power, some things are going to happen. When he flows in us, he's eventually going to flow through us. And when he flows through us, we're going to end up doing things we would never want to do in our own strength. We're going to end up doing things we could never do in our own strength. When he flows through us and, and he bubbles up in us and God is saying, open up. And when we say, okay, Lord, yes, I'll open up. Watch the flow. Watch him knock down barriers. Watch the flow. Watch him do things in your life and in your soul. You never could think was possible because you said, yes, Lord. And the Holy Spirit began to have his way. But when we say, oh, no, Lord, no, no, Lord, no, the Holy Spirit's going to sit in your life stagnant. The one who's resident deserves to be president. A president is someone who has power. A president is a man or a woman who has authority. A president is a person who is the commander and chief. A president is the person who is a leader. Pastor, what do you mean the Holy Spirit is like the president or ought to be like the president in our life? I'm just saying he calls the shots. I'm saying he's the commander. I, I, I'm just saying that he is the one who has the authority. He is the one who is our leader. Uh-oh, pastor, I need some more Bible again. Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You'll never read of the Holy Spirit driving the children of God, like, like pushing. no. He leads. <laughs> we follow. See, this series is subtitled Getting to Know You. Getting to know the Holy Spirit. That he's not a force. He's not an it. He is a po the power of God. He is the person of God. A couple weeks we'll talk about how we're to have the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So as we walk with the person 
of the Holy Spirit. The power of God will move and flow through our lives because God is the one who leads us by his spirit. And I always have to ask myself from time to time, usually every day, Chris, are you going to let the Holy Spirit lead you today? Or are you going to get out on your own, do your own thing, get in trouble, and then say, oh, Jesus, take the wheel? Is anybody with me or am I by myself? <laughs> get up and just start going. You know, I've mastered this now. I got this. And then my life just keeps going into dead-end places, and, and I get in trouble. And then I cry out to the one who's faithful, even when I'm not. And he comes and rescues me. You ever seen those videos online where somebody's pulling a sheep out of a ditch? They, they, you know, they're trying to get the sheep out the ditch. It's a long crevice in the earth. And they get the sheep out finally. And the sheep prances for a minute. And then that sheep jumps right back into the same old ditch. That's me. That's us. So am I living my life where I'm being led by the Spirit? Because when we are led by the Holy Spirit, we will experience his power in our lives. Two weeks ago, I introduced you to this, the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We had a guest speaker last week, so I'm coming back now with part two. But a couple weeks ago, I took you to verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. Where it says, but you shall receive power, Jesus said. And the word power is dunamis, which sounds like dynamite. Power that's inherent within something that if you light it right, it'll blow up. That there's power that Jesus says is going to be inherent within you when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses, martyrs to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is going to give the early disciples all the way up to the present day power uh, to be witnesses for him. And the rest of the book of Acts, you're going to read about how Christians are being a witness for Jesus. And without the Holy Spirit, they could never do the things they did. They would never do the things they did. The anointing made the difference in their lives. And so the book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and the church. Because without the Holy Spirit, there would be no action. Uh, there might be some stuff going on, but there's no life-changing action. And so Jesus said, y'all are going to get some power. Well, Today, I want to give you five principles of Holy Spirit power. Five principles of Holy Spirit power. And I want you to listen well, because I want you to apply one or two of these principles this week. Because I don't want to live with the Holy Spirit in my life, but he's stagnant. Because although he's resident, I'm not allowing him to be president because I'm too busy trying to lead my own life. No, Lord, I'm following you. I want, I need the power of the Spirit of God in my life. And so here's some principles. Now, now, for the rule followers amongst us, these are not steps. Uh, this is not one, two, three. You do this, you do that, you do that, and then boom, 
the Holy Spirit's not like a defibrillator, you know, that, that you just get shocked and zapped by the Oh, thank you, God. Uh, uh, now you can go on. No, no, no. Again, he is a person and, and we are led by him. And these are some principles of his power working in our lives. If you're ready, let me hear you say amen. amen. Here we go. Number one. Number one, you got to believe you have the power. That's number one. Because if you don't believe you have the power of the Holy Spirit, I might ask you, are you a believer in Jesus? Because if you are a believer in Jesus, Jesus has given you his spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, who will not only come on you, but will dwell in you. You got to believe that by faith, by faith. Ah, I can't chase that rabbit. It just came in my mind. Uh, uh, you got to believe you have the power, number one. Now, uh, some people say the best music was made in the 1990s. That, that, that's what some folks say. The, the best music was made in, in the 1990s. Some of y'all say that was my era. So, then some of y'all go back to the 1930s, Paul Revere. You know what I'm saying? So, so you know, the music, the music. But there was a song, y'all, back in the day from a group called Snap. One hit wonders, one hit wonders. And they had a song where all I know from the song is the best part of the song, where the lady says, I've got the power. Y'all remember that song? I've got the power. It was a high pitch. You know, I, I can't do it the way she did it. But if I could, I would. But she would say, I've got the power. <laughs> and, you know, you'd be at the club. I mean, anyway, you, you know, you... you, you. You got to believe that and say, I've got the power. First John chapter four, verse four says, greater is he that is in you than he or the spirit that is in the world. You got to believe that. You've got to believe what it says over in second Peter chapter one, verse four, that we have been made partakers of the divine nature. We've been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the same spirit that caused Jesus to rise from the dead, Paul said, is alive and well in us. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got the power. I, I, I got the power. Some of y'all didn't turn. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I, I, I've got the power. I, I've got it. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, in the NIV, the New International Version, says something like this. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So let's back it up. When you believed in Jesus, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You don't have to tarry for him. They did that in Acts chapter 2 for the first coming of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit on the church. No, no, when you believe, when you trust, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And when he comes into your life, the Bible says not only is he a seal, 
that kings would stamp documents with uh, to show that this was their empire, their authority, their power. You mess with the seal, you're messing with the king and the power behind the king. So the seal lets us know that we are not of this world, but we've been born from above. We are ambassadors here representing the interests of the king of kings and the lord of lords down here. And the Holy Spirit is the seal on our lives. But not only that, he then says he is like a deposit, watch these metaphors, guaranteeing our inheritance. We're going to talk coming up here on Wednesday night about eternal security for a believer. He's the one who guarantees that we're going to heaven. In addition to the finished work of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. But, but I got to go down real street with y'all. Most of us have electronic banking up in here. That means you haven't been into a bank in a minute to deposit a paper check. It's been a while. Some of us are old school. We're still on the paper check. But, but, but we, we, we sign up for electronic banking at our job. And that money will hit our account. They'll say when the payday is. And by faith, two weeks, by faith, you're believing that it's going to be there because they said it was going to be there. And when it hits... You go from having nothing to having something. You, you go from being broke, now I ain't no joke. It done hit, it done hit, it done hit. When that deposit gets in there, you haven't seen any money, but you just believe the electronic system that it's there, and you're going to go make a deposit on what was deposited in your account. Oh, do you believe that the deposit is in your life? Because if you don't believe, my God, that you have the Holy Spirit, we got to go back to Jump Street with you. But secondly, depend on the power. Okay, I've got power. I don't want him to be resident or rather stagnant or dormant in my life. Uh, I got to depend on the power. So here's a question for you. Have you ever had to use crutches before? Yeah, 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 crutches. Get knee surgery or something, you know, you got to use crutches and you put your weight on the crutch, right? And you believe that the crutch is going to hold you up because without the crutch, you might not be able to walk. Well, what is walking? Walking is an act of dependence. When you're healthy and well and you don't need the crutch to lean on, when you walk, you're placing one foot in front of the other, and you're putting a portion of your weight on that foot and a portion of your weight on this foot, you're trusting, you're depending as you walk. Again, you may not need a cane, you may not need a crutch, but walking is simply an act of dependence that leads to progress. So the Bible says in Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Depend on the Spirit. Lean on the Spirit. Put your weight on the Spirit so that you can make progress in your life. If you're not making progress in your life, it must mean you're not leaning on the Spirit one day at a time, one step at a time. So lean on the Spirit. Let him be your crutch. Let him be your cane, especially if you're struggling in your life. Paul says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking is an act of dependence. Now, later in Galatians 5, he's going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Because when you walk in the Spirit, some fruit's just going to pop in your life. Yes. 
You don't have to make the fruit happen. The fruit is going to happen supernaturally. The fruit of love is just going to pop from your life. The fruit of joy is going to just burst forth. Peace is going to burst forth. Long suffering. You can't make this stuff. You can't have peace in your own strength. You need peace from God. So when I'm walking in the spirit, things are going to happen by the spirit that can't be explained by the flesh of man. Back in the day, um, there was a lady in our church who had suffered from cancer. Her name was Peggy. And I uh, remember we all, well, not all of us, many of us shaved our head when she went through a period of having to shave her hair off. The church was walking with her as best we could in this time. And I remember the elders and I went to her house to encourage her. And when we went there to encourage her, we experienced power from her. Again, I'm not talking about defibrillator, sh- shake your power. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a power. Though her outward woman was wasting away, I'm talking about a power that peace came. We thought we were going to encourage her, but the Holy Spirit working in her encouraged us. And we had peace watching her life. She had joy. She could still smile. You see, God's power works best when ours don't work at all. And you wonder, how how is it I haven't lost my mind? It's the Holy Spirit. How is it that I can still smile through my tears? It's the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh, if he got paid, he'd earn his game check every time you go through a trial. And Peggy, man, the Spirit of God was on her. Zechariah 4.4 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might, because some of us got might. Not by power. That's speaking of resources. You, you do have money. You do know some folk. But God says it ain't by that stuff. It's by the spirit of the Lord. My God. Fast and the furious. They, they, they up to what, number 20 right now? It's, it's a bunch of them. It's a bunch of them, man. It's a bunch of them. But one of my favorite parts in all of the Fast and Furious movies is when they're racing and they're falling behind, all of a sudden, they hit a button to release the NOS. What is the NOS? N-O-S is nitric oxide that, that, that does something to the engine. It, it gives the car an extra boost when they need the power. And, and, and whenever they hit the NOS, right, their head go back. Mm. Won't the Lord touch you? Oh, Lord. And oh, thank you. Won't he quicken you real quick when you depend on him and give you the power to do? You got some real power under your hood that can't compare to what they had under them cars. He'll, oh, thank you, Jesus. Uh-huh, yeah, thank you. When I think about the goodness of Jesus, oh, my cup runneth over. Oh, thank you, God. But you got to depend on him. But then submit to the power. Just don't depend, submit to the power, yield to the power. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. I'm not trying to act like I'm better than anybody or holier than thou, because if you know me, you know that's not how I roll. Like you, I'm the chief of sinners. But I have never 
been drunk or high in my life. Quiet up in here, because I know that ain't your testimony. <laughs> I got other issues. I got other issues. But I've never been drunk. But I've seen people who were drunk. I've seen the effects of drunkenness. When someone becomes drunk, they take in too much alcohol. And the alcohol has a way of getting into one's pores and bloodstream in such a way where it begins to change how you think. If you submit to the alcohol, because nobody makes you drink it, you drink it yourself, you submit to it, it will influence how you walk. You, you, you can't walk straight. It will influence how you talk. Your speech might be slow. It will influence your eyes. They'll look red and it'll influence your breath. It'll just influence you when you yield, submit to the alcohol. Matter of fact, it'll go a little bit deeper and start messing with your emotions. And you'll start having courage all of a sudden. When you didn't have any. There were some dudes that I was coming up with. They could only holler at, excuse me, talk to women once they came under the influence of the joy juice. It gave them courage to ask the girl to dance when they couldn't ask her to dance apart from the wine or the Boone's Farm or whatever, you know. I don't want to keep naming names because I want you to stay with me. I... <laughs> And another thing that it would give you joy, and alcohol would even give some folks peace. Man, when you watch a movie, I'm watching a movie, and as and, and soon as something wrong goes in the life of the character, they got to go get something to drink. You ever notice that? And it's usually the brown liquor. It's usually the brown liquor. They, they got to pour some of the brown liquor, you know. The Hennessy, they, they got to pour the brown liquor. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. Here's another metaphor. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came upon the believers, the Bible says in Acts 2.13, the folks on the street thought that they had been consumed with new wine. Because they saw something in how they were walking. They saw something in how they were talking. They saw something in their courage. They saw something in their peace. They saw something in their joy. And rather than saying that this was the spirit of God, they said, this has to be alcohol. And Peter said, don't get it twisted. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And he began to preach and tell them this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Ephesians 5.18 says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. In the Greek, that means which is in acting a fool, uh, but be filled with the spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the spirit. How do you get drunk with the spirit? Be filled, submit to, yield to the spirit of God. Let him consume you. So we need to submit to the power. Fourthly, we need to fuel the power. What do you do when your gas gauge gets close to empty? Some of y'all pray and keep going. I know y'all. 
I don't know what it is about me, but every now and then I just got to test my car throughout the years. How far can I go on E? Is that a man thing? Or how far can I go? Because I, I want to know how far before it just runs out. <laughs> and then, have you ever coasted into a gas station? Like, you just know, you just know, Lord Jesus, thank you. But when the gauge is empty, you go somewhere and put gasoline in the car. Well, the word of God is the fuel through which the Holy Spirit's power works in our lives. The fuel, the, the word we intake, the Holy Spirit uses the word. John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper, Jesus said, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things that I said to you. He's going to give you my words. So let me go back to Peter on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They go out into the street with so much joy and happiness, people think that they're drunk. Peter stands up and says, no, 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 this is not alcohol. This is the Holy Spirit. And he begins to quote from Joel chapter 2 in the Old Testament, which is all they had at that time. And not only does he quote Joel chapter 2 from the word of God, he now quotes Psalm 110 and then Psalm 16. You say, Pastor, what's the big deal? He didn't have a scroll in his hand when he preached that day. All of this was coming from his heart. Well, where did it get in there from? From his rabbi, Jesus, who taught him the word of God, who taught him how to see Jesus in the Old Testament, how to see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So when the day came where he needed to minister off the cuff, on the spot, the Holy Spirit says, oh yeah, we're ready now because there's word in here that we can use. You ever have a well in the country and, and you put the bucket down there, you get water out the well and bring it up, but you ever had a dry well? Wells ain't supposed to be dry, supposed to be water in there. And a lot of us, there's no water of the word in our hearts to the point that when the Holy Spirit wants to bring something up, there's nothing there. You quoting what your mother said and what the church said and you got cliches and stuff. You don't have no Joel, no Psalms, no John chapter this. You don't have no Ephesians. But, but, but man, the Holy Ghost says, get me some fuel up in here and I'll bring word out of you that you didn't even know was in there when you need it most. You ever start praying over somebody and word comes out of you that like, whoa, where'd that come from? Lord? Let me keep on praying. The fuel, he works best from the word of God. Fuel yourself in the scriptures. Finally, pray to ignite the power. Pray to ignite the power. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Earlier, they're speaking in languages of the tongues. Now they're speaking the word of God with boldness. Why are they speaking the word of God with boldness? Because they had word inside of them. And when the Holy Spirit started moving on them, they started quoting scriptures to each other. Man, but all of that happened because they were praying together. 
You want to see God move in your life? Pray and ask him to show up in your life. And even before you ask him to do something, just be with him and thank him for who he is. Because when you start thanking him for who he is, you'll uh, have the power to do what he wants you to do. That you just won't use him uh, uh, as a quick hunch to get something off of him. No, but, but you'll be intimate with him and his power will flow in you, bubble in you, and flow out of you. But prayer, prayer, prayer is talking to God. It's listening to God. In the King James verse, when I say King James, I got to say it like that. In the King James verse, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, you King Jimmys, y'all going to recognize this. Jesus said, again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching one thing that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. We grew up hearing, man, if you just touch and agree. Touch and agree. God will do it if you touch and agree. What's that talking about? That's talking about holding hands and praying together. So, so if two of y'all will touch and agree in prayer, what you ask of God will be done for you. Then Jesus is going to go on in the next verse and say, for wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. But you got to touch and agree. You see, in this world of Christianity, especially in America, it is so individually focused. It's about me, myself, and I, my salvation. Jesus, my personal Lord and Savior. But when Paul is writing these letters, he's writing to a community of folks because they were meant to do life together. But in America, it's such a meritocracy kind of a system here where it's all about me getting a piece of the pie as opposed to us getting a piece of the pie. We carried that over into the church. But when Jesus said, I'm going to show you how to pray, you pray our father, not my father. There'll come a time where you have to pray my father. But man, be in community with other believers. You got to touch and agree. Pastor, what's up? I'm just saying, when you start praying, because in Acts chapter 4, they prayed. They were together. They quoted the word. They were together. But there's so many Christians who are okay being by themselves. Don't want to come to church. Don't want to be a part of a church. And you wonder why you don't have power. Because sometimes the next person going to be stronger than you are and you need some of their power. You ever put a log next to a log that's on fire? What's going to happen to the log that ain't burning? It's going to catch fire because of who it's next to. Oh, man, when I was a kid growing up, I watched the Super Friends. Oh, I watched the Super Friends. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. But then they had these goofy teenagers from some far-off country, uh, planet. They were called the Wonder Twins. Millennials don't know what I'm talking about right now. The Wonder Twins. Put, put that up. You see that? They would activate their power. I wish I had a praying church. When they touched each other, they did not have the power by themselves. The power in both of them could only be activated when they touched each other. They would say, Wonder Twins powers, activate. And she would form into a dinosaur, into a bird, you know, a big old bird. Homeboy would just form into water. I'm like, man, you, you ain't got no more. But, but anyway, they, they would come together and they would do their thing. Something happens when the church touches and agrees. 
Something happened. Because when the Bible talks about he'll fill the temple, he's talking about the people of God. I know I'm a temple, but we are a temple, and he will fill the temple when we spend time touching and agreeing, locking hands and trusting God. That's when the power shows up. So this week, I want you to apply at least one or two of these principles. Believe you have the power. Depend on the power. Submit to the power. Fuel the power. And pray to ignite the power. Because those of us who are sons and daughters of God, we're led by God. The power comes when we follow him. This past weekend, I was in Montgomery, Alabama, performing the funeral of my sister-in-law's mother. We went home to be with the Lord. And after the funeral was over, we got into the cars to head to the cemetery. And as you've been in funerals, you remember, you recall how the police will come and be an escort for you. And they, they lead the caravan out of the church parking lot into the traffic, and in our case, onto the highway for over 15 miles to then get to the cemetery. And as I follow, because as the preacher, I'm like the third car behind the police and then another flashing vehicle, and then the hearse and the family there behind. I'm the preacher. So I get in behind and, and I'm going and, and, and the cops are flashing their lights. And then one of them would ride ahead and stop at the intersection, block it off with lights flashing so that the other police officer can lead the caravan all the way through the light. It's a form of honor when someone dies and traffic stops on the right and on the left. At least it ought to. And as I was in line yesterday, I said, God, look at this power right here. Mm. I can't stop no traffic in and of myself. I don't have the power, but the police officers do. Lord, I don't have no power to make traffic stop to the right and to the left, but the police officers do. And the Lord said, if you just stay behind the power, if you just let the power lead you, the people with the authority lead you, you'll be all right and you'll reach your destination. I just want you to know, let the Lord lead you. Stop leading yourself. Because when you get in line behind him, the power is going to be evident in your life. Let's stand up for prayer. Amen. Amen. I've got the power. Uh, can I have the worship team come and sing that for us? Before <laughs> My prayer this week, Lord, fill me with your power. Lord, lead me this week. Let's go old school. Grab someone's hand next to you. If you ain't comfortable, grab their wrist. <laughs> Father God, we ask that you activate your power in your church, as you said, that you would do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever 
ask or imagine, and it's according to the power that's working in us, in the church. Well, somebody here needs power for what they're going through on the job. They're tempted to give them folks a piece of their mind. But God, through your spirit, you can give them self-control. You can give them discernment. You can give them wisdom. You can give them love. You can give them grace, something that they don't have in and of themselves. Well, somebody here is struggling with something in their body right now. Holy Spirit, would you be the one who brings living water, healing water in their lives? Well, somebody right now, Lord, is struggling with this or struggling with that. We're all struggling, which is why we all need help. Thank you, Lord, that you gave us help in the presence and person and even the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want him just to be resident. We surely don't want him to be stagnant, but we acknowledge that he is president and we will be followers of the Spirit of God. Use us this week. Might we see change this week because we made a conscious effort to submit ourselves, yield ourselves, to be fueled by, to submit to the Holy Spirit. We love you so much and we thank you that to whom much is given, much is now required. Go forth and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all have a blessed day in the Lord.